everyone, and welcome to the Just Cincinnati podcast, a podcast where each episode we strive to highlight local injustices, amplify the voices of those working for justice, and provide practical ways our listeners can join the work to bring about a more just Cincinnati. I'm Just Kyle Vath. And I'm Just Stephen Byers. Today we have the honor of speaking with Benita Munnerlin. She's the Food Rescue Dispatcher at Last Mile Food Rescue. They're an amazing organization that's working hard to bring about a more just Cincinnati in the areas of food insecurity, food waste, and even the environment. You're going to love our discussion together, so let's get right to it. So today we have Benita Munnerlin, the Food Rescue Dispatcher at Last Mile Food Rescue. Thank you so much for joining us today, Benita. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, so you all are doing some incredible work at Last Mile Food Rescue here in Cincinnati, and we're excited to hear how your your work is impacting the Cincinnati area in the areas of food waste and food insecurity. And so maybe as we get started here, just tell us a little bit about what you are doing and what your organization is doing to bring about a more just Cincinnati. So Last Mile Food Rescue, we are kind of like the Uber for food waste. So as restaurants and grocery stores, um, convenience stores, as they are throwing away food that can still be eaten, instead of it going to the trash, instead we will pick it up and we'll get it to those who need it most. And so we work with nonprofit agencies who are, work, who are doing the great work in our community of feeding the food insecure and those who need access to fresh and healthy meals and food, we get that food to them. Yeah. So you say you're the Uber of, of food waste. So how exactly does that work? Uh, you know, how, how do the volunteers and the food donors and the agencies that you work with all get connected and how, do, how does that work? Yeah, so we have this amazing technology, this app called um, Last Mile Food Rescue, and it's powered through Food Rescue Hero, which is an organization in Pittsburgh um, that started this app, and we license it from them. Volunteers are able to go onto the app, and they're able to see what rescues are available. So we use the term rescue to mean an opportunity to save food that's going to go to waste. So volunteers, so a restaurant or a grocery store, they'll let us know what food they have to donate. We put it on our app and volunteers can look through, they can check, oh, I'm available at this time. I'm going to go save this food and I'm going to take it to this nonprofit. And that's how it works. It's really easy. Great. Well, so, you know, you mentioned that food waste is a, is a problem in this area and food security, of course, is a problem. Uh, you know, so tell us a little bit about that that issue that you're trying to solve what what is the scope of that here in this area yeah in in cincinnati in hamilton county um there are about one in five people are facing food insecurity so this means that they don't know where their next meal is coming from and it also means that they do not have access to healthy and nutritious meals that our bodies need to thrive um, and at the same time there is enough food waste in Cincinnati to wrap I-275 two times around. Um, so, you know, seeing that all of this food is going to waste, but also there are people who are facing food insecurity, we were able to merge that with the solution and fill in for that gap. 
how does how how does that happen? How do we have so much food waste? Yeah, that's a, a great question. Um, and talking with different business owners and owners of these corporations, um, there's a multitude of reasons, and they're all very understandable. Um, for one, you know, sometimes at the end of the day, there just isn't time to be able to. It's just a lot easier to be able to throw away what doesn't get used, um, or if things accidentally sit as you're busy preparing in the fridge or in the kitchen just to, to toss it. Um, at the same time, some people don't know that their food can be donated. They think that, oh, we've had this for a couple of days, it's time to throw it away. They don't know that that food can actually still go to someone who may need it. Um, a lot of times there's some barriers with financial reasons with packaging um, and also having your staff stay an extra 30 minutes. Um, and it's just a lot easier to have someone come and just get the trash and you don't think about it anymore. I'm um, excuse me, not get the trash, but get the waste. <laughs> and then you don't, you don't think it any, you don't think about it anymore. Um, and so there's lots of barriers with time, with resources, and also just with the education to know that there is another option for food waste. Yeah. And, you know, I think we've seen food insecurity heighten in, in this pandemic that we've been in. Uh, you know, we've got children who have been out of school and that was many times their primary source of, of food and nutrition. Have you seen an increase in need um, from people being out of work, people, people, people being out of school? Have you seen that an increase uh, in, in the work that you're doing? Yes, most certainly we have. And the biggest thing was like what you were saying about the schools, a lot of the of our nonprofit partners who fed the community, they were seeing their lines increase because since you know they had kids and they weren't able to get their usual meals from school, then now they have to go to an agency or a partner where they know that they can get food, but that partner may not have been prepared for that volume or for that you know quick increase in what they needed to have available to feed their communities. So we definitely saw, um, you know, people who may have never faced insecurity before were now all of a sudden facing food insecurity, whether they lost their job um, or, you know, something closed down stores, you know, that may have been on the corner market closed down and things like that. And so there was a lot of, we did see a, a sharp increase um, that, overwhelmed the system when they just did not have access to that food. And so what was great about Last Mile, um, and I know we can talk about this more at the end, is that we've been able to provide the food that almost kind of like fill in the gap or fill in what was needed um, for a lot of these agencies to meet that demand. That's amazing. I, I know there are a lot of hurting people, uh, especially during this pandemic. And thankfully, we're, we're pulling out of that a little bit. But the, the, the it, it really exposed many of the weaknesses in our society. And it, 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 it made some of those broken systems even more broke. And uh, it's incredible that the work that you all have been able to do, uh, especially during this pandemic. And, and you all just reached a major milestone in some of your work, right? Maybe tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yes. So last week, we have rescued over 500,000 pounds of food. Um, yeah, so half a million. And that has been since November when we first started. And we have a goal at the end of the year to rescue a million pounds of food and then to continue on after that. Um, and this work has, this effort has been 
really across the board um, from our volunteers to our amazing food donors and to our nonprofit partners um, who are putting their trust in us, putting their trust in us, helping them, helping our community. Um, and also for our volunteers who are extremely enthusiastic and see the need and see the importance of what we do. And they work just as tirelessly as we do to make sure that this good food is getting into um, the, the hands of those who need it most. So yeah, in January, since January, we've rescued 400,000 pounds. So over 80% of our pounds have just come from this year alone. So we've experienced, I don't even know if there's a bigger term for exponential, but <laughs> we've experienced like some exponential growth since the beginning of the year. And that's just really thanks to our volunteers, our donors, and to the nonprofit partners. So Benita, you had mentioned that there is an environmental impact for, you know, from food waste as well. Tell us a little bit about that as well. Yeah. So in the nation, food waste is the third largest emitter of greenhouse gases. So with regards to countries, um, China, you know, emits a lot of greenhouse gases, the United States, we emit a lot of greenhouse gases, and then food waste is third on that list before it even gets into other countries that are emitting greenhouse gases. And so as food is breaking down in landfills, that's releasing a lot of harmful chemicals into our environment. And so what we like to do is we actually track the pounds that we rescue those are pounds that are of CO2 that's being saved from our environment. So with that 500,000 number that we just crossed last week, we've saved about 271,500 pounds of CO2 um, from our community, like, you know, breaking down in, in our community and it's only up from there. That's incredible. And, and I know that, you know, all of these issues about food waste, food insecurity, environmental impact, as well as just the, the health impact that, you know, unhealthy food um, and, and, you know, uh, how that impacts people's lives, as well as when you have so much waste, there's an increased price uh, you know, people crank up their prices to cover for that waste. And when they are able to recycle that within our community system, I, I would imagine it could impact the affordability of food in the long run as well, so that people are, are a little more conscientious of that. You know, all of these issues, I, I would imagine, disparately impact uh, marginalized communities um, you know, just the pandemic alone has really shown that the inequities within our society. How, how have you seen that really play out in the area of food waste, food insecurity and environmental impact? The biggest thing that we have found um, is that families are the most impacted. And even if you look at a plot map of our agencies, you know, we have a lot of agencies that are in communities that are facing the most food insecurity, that have been facing the most food insecurity even before the pandemic. And as we talk to our different agencies, you know, they've been really blessed by Last Mile because they have a big load on their shoulders. You know, for a lot of them, not only do they provide meals to these families, but they also provide um, financial assistance and they provide um, mentoring and tutoring to these communities. And so being able to take the load of food donations, but also bringing the donations to them so that a staff doesn't have to do it, um, 
we have seen has, they are able to help these communities even more in that sense. And so um, a lot of agencies are, you know, hearing about us and joining us, but they are being a lot more concentrated and centered in the neighborhoods that we've seen have already have had the disparate impacts of injustice. I would like for us to go back and maybe revisit, uh, talk a little bit more just about you, Benita, personally, how, how you, how you got to this point where, you know, where, you know, what was, what led, let's say 13 year old Benita to, to go to school and do this. And then what led, you know, postgraduate Benita to, you know, I'd like to hear a little bit more about that story. Yeah, so 13-year-old Benita was extremely passionate about the community and helping others. I will really say that my drive to do something social, whether that was social entrepreneurship or working for a business whose main focus was being about the community, really did start when I was in high school. Um, As I began to learn about those injustices um, in concentrated areas, and so I, um, I went to college. I went to college for business because I believed that business was going to be the best way to be able to impact these, um, be able to impact the community and be able to help others. And I've always just had a personable attitude. Um, and just, you know, I was really all about people, really about social, like provide or helping the social good and helping um, others. And I started my own business in college and it was a plant-based food company. And my uh, vision and the goal was to be able to, you know, provide that connection between healthy plant-based food and to those who want it and need it the most. Um, And I did that for about four years. Um, And through the pandemic, I worked for a nonprofit right after I graduated from college. Um, in the city. And when we were furloughed during the pandemic, I decided to, you know, go full time with my business. I mean, it was an amazing, an amazing experience. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, But it just got to a point where I was like, you know, I really, I think I do want to continue to work in this area of working to empower the connection between food and people, Um, especially with the focus on healthy food, how do we get healthy, fresh produce to others? Um, But I do want to be able to learn a little bit more and have something that was a bit more structured. And as soon as I made the decision to, you know, end the business, an opening for Last Mile Food Rescue came about. And one of my teammates, Olivia, she's our marketing manager and she works with our volunteers. I used to work with her at the nonprofit that we were furloughed from. And so she just reached out to me and she said, Hey, I know that you're really passionate about food and food insecurity and, you know, access to food and especially healthy food. And I've been working for this company for about three months now. We have an opening. I think you should apply. This sounds right up your alley. And I was like, okay, let me check it out. See what she's talking about, you know? Um, And so I look and everything about it was like, checking the boxes for me. And as I just got to learn more too about our founders, um, Julie and Tom and Eileen, who's our chief operating officer, it was just kind of all really, I guess, like Tetris just perfectly, you know, matching up. And I just couldn't believe that, you know, they had found this way to provide access to healthy food um, to our community. And so I applied 
interviewed, got to meet everyone, and then joined the team in February. Um, and it's been, I guess, five months now, almost six months. And it's just the time has really flown by. Um, and it's been amazing work. We have an amazing team. They're all extremely dedicated um, and extremely focused. Um, and they're all really about the mission and the passion of making sure that we help our environment and we help our city and just a really great community focus that that 13-year-old Benita, if I would have told her, hey, you're going to be doing exactly what you want to do right now, I would have been like, what? That's so cool. But it's, it's been amazing. And you went to school here locally, right, Benita? You you grew up most of your life, most of your life here in the Cincinnati area, right? Yes, yes. I have grown to know and love Cincinnati as if it was my first home. Um, I'm originally from Los Angeles, California, but I moved to Cincinnati when I was 12. And I went to Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy up in Mason, um, absolutely loved the teachers and my education there. And then I went to University of Cincinnati College of Business and decided to stay in Cincy when I graduated. I didn't want to leave. I built such an amazing community here. And I also just saw how I can make an impact if I wanted. And so I decided to stay. And here I am. So yeah, it was when I think I found out that I liked Skyline was when I, I was when I started to like Skyline. It was when I was like, okay, I think I'm here for good now. It was that plus adding the S's on the end of on the end of words was, was like, okay, I think I think I'm becoming more Cincinnati than else. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you all are doing some incredible work here in this area, and, and I'm sure you have probably some stories that have already come out of this work. Can you give us any of those those narratives, the, the more subjective, qualitative types of stories that maybe bring your work to life and even maybe highlight some of the, 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 the challenges that you uh, encounter as well? Yeah, I can. Um, so one of our donors, you know, during our, one of our agencies, one of our nonprofits, like I was saying, um, during the pandemic, you know, they just saw the increase for the demand of their services greatly increased, you know, almost overnight. And with that, that really put a strain on their staffing system. Um, one of our agencies that we donate, um, a good amount of our food too is called Tegan Farm, and they're over on the west side of Mount Healthy. And they were getting to a point where they were going to have to turn people away. They were going to have to turn even food that was being donated to them away because they didn't have the staff capacity or just the food capacity. And when Last Mile came into the picture, you know, we bring the food to them. And then we also um, provide for them this healthy and fresh food. They have told us that we are a godsend, you know, many times just because having, I think it really is about that access um, to, you know, different protein options and the, especially the fresh, the fresh produce, you know, some agencies have been giving more fresh produce over canned goods, which, you know, is just such a, I guess, stereotypical item canned goods that you always see everywhere. And so being able to have this fresh produce is, is very new and it's very exciting. Um, for the agencies and having so much access to meat and milk um, that families need to continue to thrive has been really exciting. That's something that we hear from all of our agencies across the board. Um, and another story that I really loved um, 
a few weeks ago, we onboarded a new donor. And when one of our staff members went to go pick it up, the person who was giving them the donation, he was a kitchen staff. He just worked in the back staff. She told them, she said, okay, this is going to the shelter house, the David Barron Center for Men um, on Jess Street. And he was like, I used to, like that place, I used to live there. Like that place helped me get this job. That place helped me um, grow and, you know, and tutored me and mentored me in order to now be sustainable on my own. And so he was thrilled to know that what he was doing as a donor and like packaging up the food and giving it to um, our volunteer was, was almost just like him giving back to something that helped him get to where he was in that day. And so, um, so that was really touching for our staff or our volunteer to hear. They get stories like that all the time. Um, and our volunteers are just so blessed that they're able to be part of this work. And then the donors, when they hear stories like that, it's it just goes beyond the bottom line for them. Because not only do they get tax incentives and saving on their trash bill, but really knowing, you know, they get these numbers um, on a monthly or yearly basis. And knowing what they're doing for the community is, is just, um, it outweighs their, their bottom line. So, yeah. I mean, it really seems to be the perfect relationship in the community when you have a surplus of something that's causing a problem and you have a deficit of something that's causing a problem and you pair those up and then, you know, throw in the environmental impact. You just got a third piece. It's, it's, it's a bonus. So it's really, it's inspiring what you all are doing. And, and uh, it's just, it's, it's so incredible to, to hear how you all have connected the dots here in the Cincinnati area it sounds like when I hear you talk about this, it sounds like there are three main stakeholders. You have agencies. And so those are the, the, the folks who are actually working with people who have that food insecurity. And then you have the food donors who are, sounds like grocery stores, uh, restaurants, those types of things. And then you have volunteers. Um, so, you know, I'm sure we have people listening to this who are one of those categories Tell us a little bit about how, if, if they fought, find themselves in one of those categories, how they can get involved and how they can really bring about a more just Cincinnati. Yes. Um, so if you are a food donor, whether you're a restaurant, a grocery store, a hospital, an event center, especially now that events are going to be picking back up, um, you know, we see that as a great opportunity to rescue food that could be going to waste. Um, please reach out. You can reach out to us um, through email, info at lastmilefood.org or through the phone, which is 513-449-1698. Um, and say, like, hey, I have food that I can donate. Um, and whether it's every once in a while, on a weekly basis, a bi-weekly, we would love to talk to you. If you're a nonprofit and you're looking to receive more food, we work really closely with the Free Store Food Bank. <clears throat> and we work with agencies that are with feed, affiliated with Feeding America and the Free Store Food Bank. Um, so even if you don't have that affiliation, we can help you get that. Um, we have been able to help agencies so far become Free Store Food Bank and Feeding America certified. Um, we walk them through the whole process and hold their hand with it. So it's extremely easy to do. 
Um, and it's really great to have that because that opens you up to a, another host of opportunities um, to be connected with them. And, um, and then lastly, if you are a volunteer, um, we are opening up some more rescues over the weekend and the evening. So if you're not available during the day, you know, please still download the app and you can continue to check in to see if there's something that can fit your schedule. Um, right now, we have actually about over 300 active volunteers who are rescuing from us on a weekly basis, which is um, amazing. And but we, we definitely still need more because we're getting more food donors and more agencies that are hearing about us and have the need. Um, Northern Kentucky is our biggest area of need for volunteers. So if you're in Northern Kentucky and you have you know, a couple hours in the day, please check the app and download the app. Um, but other than that, just across the whole Cincinnati board, we will love to have you join us. That's awesome. Steven, you know anybody in Northern Kentucky who might be interested in that? I might know a few people. Yeah. Uh, Benita, I'm actually in Northern Kentucky. So yeah. And, and, and actually um, our, our church over on the uh, West side, they actually do, they actually have volunteers that go down to one of the food stores down in Kentucky and they actually pick up food and bring it back for their community meal that they provide. And so this is, but it's not through your app, you know, this is just something they've been doing for a while. So th this might be an opportunity as well for them to connect, so. Yeah, most certainly. And then what's really great for nonprofit partners is although, you know, they have their typical routine of picking up their food donations from um, a warehouse or a store or something, not only can we, um, you know, fill in for their staff to be able to do that, to free up their staff's time and just bring the food to them. That also opens them up for any other food donations that we get as well. So if there is a something that they're buying, you know, on a weekly basis that we have another food donor that they may not know about that can instead donate it to them, or if they just have a gap in something that they need, um, that's a really great incentive for nonprofit partners and why they love working with us is their gaps are being filled um, and it just opens them up to our entire donor network. So for folks who would be interested in volunteering, um, certainly they can check out your website and such, but what would be some uh, like real quick, could you just give a description of what that would look like? Like, you know, some basic requirements and, and how that would work for them? Yeah, um, all you need is a car and some time. <laughs> so it's extremely easy to volunteer. What was the greatest thing about us opening, even though we opened during the pandemic, we still got great response because this was a volunteer that you can do that could be no contact. You know, so a donor can bring it to your car and then the agency can take it out of your car, you know, without, um, if you needed to, without you ever having to get out. And so, we so yeah you need a car you need a smartphone to be able to download the app where you see all of the rescues that you may need and then an hour or two in the day to go down to the food donor pick it up and drop it off at an agency and you can get involved if you go into our website um, we have a form you can also just download the app um, it's called last mile food rescue it's available wherever your apps are downloaded and you're able to download it, sign up, and claim a rescue. 
Well, thank you so much, Benita. This is excellent information, and I'm excited for our listeners to hear about the work you all are doing to bring about a more just Cincinnati. So to recap, if you're an agency who works with people who live in poverty or maybe supporting people who are struggling with food insecurity, you can call Last Mile Food Rescue at 513-449-1698 to get involved and, and uh, be a part of the solution. If you're a food donor, maybe a grocery store, convenience store, restaurant, hotel, maybe an event or convention center, anyone who may have a surplus of food from time to time, you too can help. Call 513-449-1698 or go to lastmilefood.org and you can fill out their donor form right there on their page. And maybe you don't fit into any of those categories, but you'd like to help in some way. Download the app today. It's called Last Mile Food Rescue. It's super easy. I just typed in Last Mile Food Rescue and it popped right up. This might be a great service project for you to do with your kids or with friends or family. All you need is a few spare hours, a car, and a smartphone. Benita, what an honor it was to speak with you today. Thank you so much for your time and for the great work you're doing every day in our community. Yeah, thank you all for having me. Um, We really appreciate it. I know us at the office, we just are really excited about um, the community and bringing and helping those who need it most. And just also um, being able to partner with people like you all and who are getting the word and the message out. That's, you know, the biggest way that we're gonna grow and continue to help our city. So thank you. Thank you, Benita. our podcast today we'd so very much appreciate you subscribing reviewing and sharing our podcast this will help more people find us and join the movement and if you're able to support this podcast and the work we do please head on over to our patreon page at patreon.com slash just cincinnati we're grateful for your support in amplifying the voices of those bringing about a more just cincinnati Our theme music for Just Cincinnati was generously provided by the internationally renowned but locally based singer and songwriter Kim Taylor. More of her intimate and folksy music can be found on her website at kim-taylor.net or wherever quality music is streamed. (laughs) 